if you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. Dear Ms. Jankowitz, Congratulations on your appointment as the head of the Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Governance Board. It certainly seems like a very important job with serious responsibilities, your obvious passion for musical theater notwithstanding. Now, as I understand it, your new job is to track what is being shared across the airwaves, internet, in print and public meetings, and identify any of it that is disinformation or misinformation. You will then, well, I'm not exactly sure what you'll do then. Perhaps you'll flag it, shut it down, or prosecute anyone distributing. This part is really fuzzy, but I'm sure that Homeland Security has measures in place to stop the spread of this dangerous disinformation. Let me introduce myself. My name is Greg Smith, and I'm the host of a podcast called Considering Catholicism. I am a Christian, and obviously a Catholic Christian. Now, there is a body of information which we Christians are responsible for sharing with as many people as possible in the hopes that it spreads around the country, indeed, around the globe. In fact, we believe that we have been given this as our mission. And so, every day we vigorously distribute this information through books, blogs, radio and television programs, text messages, large public gatherings, face-to-face conversations, and obviously on podcasts like this one, in the hopes of convincing people that this information is, in fact, true and that they should act upon it. And this brings me to the reason for reaching out to you. I'm going to provide you with a list of some key points which we are actively sharing on all available platforms. I was hoping that you could identify for me which of these constitutes disinformation and what facts you have to prove such. Also, if any of this is disinformation, what do you and the Department of Homeland Security plan to do about it? Will you put disclaimers on our YouTube videos and television broadcasts? Will you pull the plug on our websites, radio stations, and podcasts? Will you ban the sale of our books? Shut down our public meetings? Will we get knocks on our doors in the middle of the night? Plenty of other governments around the world have, and currently are, shutting us down and locking us up, and in some cases much worse, for spreading what they call dangerous disinformation. Is that your intention? I'm just asking so that we can know what to expect from you. So, here are some highlights of what we believe and are actively sharing with as many people as possible. In the beginning... 
God created the heavens and the earth. The universe is not the result of random chance. Out of nothing, God brought order and purpose. And so, the universe is ordered and purposeful. It bears his fingerprints. It reflects his mind and heart. One of our greatest poets, Dante Alighieri, wrote of the love that moves the sun and the other stars. And that means that this world has meaning and purpose, given to it by its creator. And yet, the material visible universe that we can observe is only a small part of the totality of the creation. It is all rich and complex, full of angels and other beings, powers and principalities, and stories that we don't fully grasp. And it all moves in a great dance, coordinated by its creator. And so, we reject chaos, we reject nihilism, we reject any philosophy or art or agenda that presumes or asserts a cold, uncaring cosmos devoid of value, purpose, or love. And then God made human beings. We are not the product of random evolution. He made us from the dust of the earth and breathed life, immortal souls, into us which means that our lives begin at the moment of conception and run through the moment of natural death. And he created us in his image, which gives us inherent dignity, regardless of our functionality or capacity. Whether a tiny fetus, a Down syndrome baby, a handicapped person, or a senior citizen in their last moments, we are all images and children of God and deserving of respect and protection. Ms. Jankowitz, let me be clear. Abortion or euthanasia is the unjust taking of a human life, a violation of God's image and natural law. And here's another claim that I'm sure your staff will take a close look at. God created humans male and female. Sex and gender are not fluid social constructs. They are inherent, God-given qualities, intrinsic to our nature. This is the testimony of the Hebrew Scriptures, affirmed by Jesus in the Christian Gospels and by his apostles, and reaffirmed and explained repeatedly by the Church under the authority of St. Peter, and evident by observation of the natural law. Roses are red, violets are blue, two plus two equals four, and humans are created male and female, men and women. Women give birth to new life. And nothing that anyone says or claims can deconstruct that or force us to claim otherwise. Anything contrary to that is a lie. And speaking of humans being created male and female, our sexuality is a gift from God. But like all of God's gifts, it is ordered to a purpose. He created us male and female to cleave together, to become one flesh in marriage. In that marriage, sexuality is a gift that unifies and opens marriage to the creation of new life. God created marriage and the family. It is a gift and a sacrament. In the order of creation, God gave us families before man created governments. 
And so marriage in the family is the basic organizing unit of human life. The state does not have sovereignty over the family. And sexuality is ordered. That means its purpose is directed towards the marriage of a man and woman. When sex, which is good, is used or exploited outside of marriage, it becomes disordered. In the same way that a fire, which is good, becomes disordered when it is used outside of my fire pit so that it burns down the forest. Our society is diseased because of how sex and sexuality is exploited for disordered purposes. And I'm sure that your staff is going to take a very careful look at this next claim. Homosexual practices are inherently disordered. Please review the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2357. Now, your staff might label it dangerous disinformation, but it makes the point that because sex is ordered for marriage between a man and a woman, and sex outside of that is disordered, that homosexual sex is inherently disordered. It can never be directed toward its purpose. In the course of human history, God chose to work through a specific people to reveal his mind and his will, to share his message, and to prepare for his great act of redemption. And so, he chose a man named Abram, made a covenant with him, and renamed him Abraham. Over time, he worked through Abraham's descendants, including Moses and David and others, to forge a nation called Israel that would be the primary instrument for his plan. And he worked through Israel's prophets to give them his word, the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. They are half of the infallible and authoritative word of God. And then, in the fullness of time, when Caesar Augustus was emperor of Rome, God incarnated himself. The second person of the Trinity took on a human nature. The man Jesus of Nazareth was fully God and fully man. He was unjustly convicted by a Roman government official and crucified outside of the city of Jerusalem in approximately the year 30 AD. He died and was buried. But on the third day, in accordance with the prophecies of Scripture, he arose. Not in a spiritual way, not in our hearts, not as a ghost. His body came back to life. At the time, Jewish and Roman government officials launched a disinformation campaign, claiming that the body had been stolen. You should be interested in that. But it didn't work. Hundreds of people saw him, and the government officials could never prove that the body had been stolen. He was the first to be resurrected, as the rest of us shall be, and it is the central truth of history. The resurrected Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate authority, to which all powers and institutions, including the Disinformation Governance Board of Homeland Security, are subject. In fact, a local Jewish official who had spread disinformation about Jesus and his followers met the risen Christ and became one of his apostles. He went by the name Paul of Tarsus 
and he wrote this in a letter that he sent to some Christians in the Greek city of Colossae. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, Miss Jankowitz, ironically, that letter, and others like it, prompted the Roman government to arrest Paul for spreading dangerous disinformation. They imprisoned him, and they cut his head off. I've been to the prison where they held him, the site of his execution, and his tomb. I'd love for you to join me sometime, so that I can show them to you. Anyway, The only gateway into eternal life is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, the life, and there is no other name under heaven by which we may be saved. The church is God's covenant people, his body in the world. And like the family, the state has no sovereignty over the church. The church doesn't need the state's permission to believe or serve or worship Christ. The accounts of the apostles, including Paul's letters, were gathered by the church, which recognized them as authentic and bundled them with the Hebrew scriptures to form the Christian Bible. God's word is not subject to the state, and the church does not need the state's permission to distribute God's word or its message, even if the state declares it disinformation. And here's another thing your staff might want to look into. Satan is real and active in this world. He is a liar and the father of lies. He is the ultimate spreader of dangerous disinformation. And he works through corrupt systems and structures to deceive people, discredit God's word, and disrupt the church's mission. And as hard as this is to hear and accept, there is a hell and some people will go there because of their moral choices. Perhaps I'll explain more in a future episode of the podcast, so if your staff is monitoring, keep an eye out for that. And finally, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. No one knows when, but he is coming to judge and remake the world, and we will all have to give an account, including government officials who have been entrusted by God with the power of the state to do justice, not injustice. Now, Ms. Jankowitz, if you or your staff identifies any of the above as disinformation, I have three questions for you. First, how do you know that it is false, or to use your preferred term, disinformation? What 
proof or evidence do you have that our claims are false? If you do have counter evidence, then please be my guest on the podcast to share it. I'd look forward to a respectful yet robust exchange of ideas that will certainly be instructive to our listeners. I'm sure that you're extremely busy, but I'll happily arrange an interview at your convenience. Second, if any of this is disinformation, is it dangerous disinformation? You certainly have significant historical precedents for believing so, as many governments have labeled this information extremely dangerous. Should you declare it as dangerous disinformation, it would put you in the company of governments like the Roman Empire, the Reign of Terror during the French Revolution, the Tokugawa Shogunate of Japan, the Soviet Union, the Zapatistas during the Mexican Revolution, the Nazis in Germany, Cambodia under Pol Pot, and the Chinese Communist Party. All of them did or do consider this information so dangerous that they took vigorous measures to suppress it. And so, what would you intend to do? Those previous governments made it illegal to spread these claims. They burned books, they shut down newspapers and other media, they jailed those who spread it. Some were even put to death. We Catholics know that because we have all sorts of stories and statues that honor them as martyrs. So, good luck in your new position. I'm looking forward to your response. And given that you're the Department of Homeland Security, I'm sure that you know how to find me. Thank you for listening. Considering Catholicism is produced by One Whirling Adventure, a 501c3 nonprofit organization with a simple mission to excite and educate people about historic Catholic Christianity and to equip them to live, share, and defend it in the 21st century. We depend completely on your generous donations. Learn more and consider supporting our ministry by visiting oneworlingadventure.org.